Welcome to this week's presentation from Bethesda, a church community where anyone can belong. We hope that the following presentation encourages you in your faith journey. Thanks for listening. Oh, today, wow, what a, what a, there's no other way to put it, what a crazy week. Wow. It's amazing how um, a uh, storm can really make you unsettled and calm you down. As when, when we first heard about the storm, we're like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Right? And then when we found out everybody had to stop, we're like, oh, I love this. Right? It's amazing when everybody stops, you settle down a little bit, right? Because, uh, uh, you know, it, it pauses everything. And so today, someone asked me, Pastor Bruce, uh, uh, last week you were supposed to start this series, Silent Mode. And like, do you have enough power to create storms like that to slow everybody down and make it silent? I said, well, yeah, no, to be honest. But uh, it, it does slow us down. And so we're beginning the series today, Silent Mode. And like I said, nothing slows us down more than 150-kilometer winds and 83 centimeters of snow. Why? I tell you. Uh, we've, we've seen some pretty amazing pictures of snow. And this one here is my kids, actually. After six days of spending time with their dad in the house, they just got out. And they're like, we're free! Right? I think that picture is over on Cochrane Pond Road in the Goulds. And you can see walls of snow there and other pictures that we've... Uh, We've seen over the last couple of days. But it's pretty extraordinary how a storm that uh, forces you uh, to pause. And depending on your personality, of course, you will enjoy it. And, and, and depending on your personality, you, you, you just can't, uh, you can't sit still. I'm one of those people. Um, but, you know, a storm really pauses us, and that is really an interruption to our life. Um, can, um, it's... Uh, and it also can cause us to exemplify some of the most amazing acts of kindness in helping others. And you've seen the, the social media coverage of it, the threads, and how people are just stepping up to the plate. And, uh, and we saw that over the last eight days. Uh, a storm is a, is a distraction. But when we turn down the noise, we become free to love and care for others. It's, it's amazing what we can do when there are no distractions. But life is not made like that, right? Can you imagine if life was just one storm after the other <laughs> or, or you were retired, right? Um, on our phones, of course, uh, left on my seat there, there's a, there's a feature that allows you to uh, press a button and it silences everything. You go ahead and do that now, actually, if you would like, uh, so you don't interrupt me. But it, it removes uh, the sound of emails and texts and other noises that could distract you. Uh, we live in a world where we, we use noise to remove outside distractions. We use certain types of noises to drown out the real noise. There are devices created to drown out the noise with another more appealing noise. We call it white noise. Some of you sleep with fans in your room. Uh, at one point in our family, there was a noise in everybody's room. There was a fan in ours. There was crickets in another, and there was a rain in another. And we, we, our kids slept through the night. Well, at least we thought we, they did because we didn't hear them, right? We had a noise in our room, white noise. Um, this is, is true of our lives that we have so much going on that we allow the noise. Those distractions are, are so very subtle at first. They start with small things that we allow into our life. We, have all, we all have those things in our life that we turn up to really drown out the real issues. 
Uh, maybe for some it's the uh, addictive shopping to avoid some emotions. Don't raise your hand. Or maybe it's social media. We use this noise to drown out other noises. Or maybe it creates more noise for you. Or maybe it's overworking or, or over, overeating or other types of addictions that we, we drum up the noise to silence other noises. And it starts subtle, but as we, we allow the distractions to cloud out what God is trying to say, those distractions begin to get louder and more influential. We have so much noise going on in our life that we have gotten used to it. It's the noise of family. It's the noise of life in general, allowing it to get louder so we don't have to deal with the emotions and the trauma in our life. These noises begin to drown out our judgments and and cloud out our ability to make decisions that make a difference. We all have these distractions in our life to really drown out the real issues going on. And we have allowed that noise into our life so much so that it helps us to avoid the real emotions. It gets louder and louder and louder. How many heard that as soon as it started? How many heard it halfway through? How many have no idea what I'm talking about? (laughs) If you didn't hear that, there's an issue, okay? But, But see, that's how distractions work. It begins small and subtle. Before you know it, it's taken over your life. So much so that you cannot hear God. What are the distractions in your life that prevent you from hearing God? Because the issue is, it's not the distraction that is the issue. It's what the distraction is keeping us from. What if God is trying to speak to you and the noise in your life is so loud that you are drowning him out? And so the series is about helping us to create space where we shut out the noise or at least tone it down so we can truly hear what God is saying. And I, I want to introduce you to a, a Bible character who, who got so distracted, and instead of turning it down, this person allowed it to become louder than anything in his life. And we want to learn from this so that we can turn down the noise and hear what God is trying to say. It begins with King David. He, he wasn't king when we first hear from him. He's one of the seven brothers. And I understand what it is to be one of seven brothers. He was the runt. I wasn't the runt. And he was relegated to a shepherd. David loved God. He spent most of his time alone and away from the distractions. His ability to hear God is evident. And Israel had their first king, Saul, This king looked the part, but he allowed the distractions around him to govern his ability to be king, and chronic insecurity was his downfall. It was his noise. Now, the prophet Samuel is looking for a new king. God leads leads Samuel to Jesse's boys. You can read it in 1 Samuel 16. And Samuel Samuel gets a front row seat. And the first of seven sons passed by him. And his lens for what a king should look like is the same lens he used to choose King Saul at first. The outer appearance. And God says, I have a different lens. 
I'm looking for someone who doesn't get distracted. It says, actually, people look at the outward appearance. Next slide. But the Lord looks at the what? The heart. And when all seven passed by Samuel, he knew neither of them were the future king. There was one more. He was tending sheep. He was relegated to that. He was the runt. He was the youngest. And Samuel says, send for him. And see, David was the kid who was picked last in gym class, right? Where they line you up against the wall and they pick the best and, and lo and behold, you know, you're the last, right? Some of you are still receiving counseling over that, right? I mean, why, why would they do such a thing? He didn't look the part, but his ability to hear God above the distractions was formed in, mo- in the most obscure moments, tending sheep on mountains. Doesn't sound very glamorous, but that's where God builds character. And we call them silent moments. It's in those moments that God builds your life and character. And David ends up being anointed king and into Saul's service eventually. And we see his ability to hear God's voice above the distractions right from this moment. He isn't king yet. He's anointed king. He's between the promise. Ever be between a promise? When you know that God has promised something in your life, you'd bet your life on it, but it hasn't happened yet. And you're in between that promise. That is David's moment. It's a moment that determines our character. It's in the waiting. It's when you have been waiting on a promise from God and you're, and you're in between it. And so Saul is jealous of David. And David ends up running from Saul and hiding another obscure moment in a cave. And King Saul is in hot pursuit. This, this goes on for months to the point where Saul is resting outside of the very same cave that David is hiding. And here's a moment, right? The temptation to misinterpret what God is doing is most prevalent when we cannot hear God because of the distractions. And in the middle of the noise, David had the ability to honor God even in the middle of running from what he was promised. That's David's life. He's in between the moment and the promise. And so Saul ends up in 1 Samuel 24, sitting outside the cave where David is hiding. What an opportunity to expedite God's plan or even misinterpret what God is doing. Not David. He, he sneaks out and cuts a piece of Saul's robe and leaves. And while Saul is far away off, David yells out to him, people are telling you that I want to kill you. Look, bye. I just cut, cut off the side of your coat. That's how close I got to you. How many of us would have the clarity enough not to pull the trigger to speed up what God had promised us? Hmm. I'd have the dagger out. I would have made a mullet out of his hair or something. What an opportunity to expedite what God was doing. It wasn't long before Saul is killed and David is king and and the ability to hear God's voice above the distraction is evident in his first battle as king as he defeats the Philistines. The, The very same enemy that David defeats as shepherd, watch this now, he defeats as king. 
And the one common denominator in his life, the one constant in his life is his clear communication with God. He does not get distracted. Remember, he's a shepherd and his father sent him out to bring food to his brothers because they are fighting the Philistines and David defeats Goliath. Same clarity. And David once again returns to the very same strength that gave him success in the field with the sheep now running from Saul and now his first battle. Just listen to the clarity here. So David, what did he do? He inquired of the Lord and he answered, do not, just look at the clarity. Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar tree. As soon as you hear the sound of a marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him and he struck down the enemy. Wow. He had the incredible ability to silence himself in the middle of the distraction to hear from God, to give success. And because of this, it records all of David's victories. Not one defeat up to this point. And here's where I want to land today. And I, re I really struggled with how to transition from David's ability to hear God to this moment. Because it's so abrupt David is fresh off of victories. He has reached the peak of public popularity. He is rich. He's incredibly power. And I bet you he's good looking. Unquestionable authority. At this point, he has two decades of victories. And in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out to with, with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged that rabbi. But David remained in Jerusalem. It kind of felt like when you snuck out this week when, you're, when you weren't supposed to, right? You were hoping that gas station was open and you got there and it was just dead silence. That's what David's like home. The army's gone. His leaders are gone. And this seems harmless. But here, for the first time, we see the noise begin to cloud David's judgment. It was unheard of, of the, for the kings to stay home, and their army was at, at, when their army was at war, the strength of an army was the support and the leadership of the king. Yet we see David's going from success to compromise. It's, it's not the staying home that results in his noise. It's the idleness that gets him in trouble. Our greatest battles and the greatest noises don't usually come when we're working hard. It comes when we are, our guard is down, doesn't it? And David was spending time with God in silence. Wasn't spending time with God in silence. He wasn't in battle. He, let's be honest, he was in bed. There's no way to put it. Pride can raise its ugly head when everything is swinging in your direction. He is a giant killer. He has humble beginnings, an army that, he, that everyone, everyone feared. He had land that reached 60,000 miles. No defeats on the battlefield. It almost seemed he had a monopoly on God's blessings. See, disobedience is really the primer to distractions. It's the gas that you add to fire to fuel it. And he, he disobeys. He's on his rooftop and he peers across and it says from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. 
And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. It's important to note that this was David's noise. And we look at this and we say, well, that's an extreme example of noise in our life. But guess what? It's all of ours. What's, what's the distraction in your life that is, is as seductive as David's on a rooftop? Maybe the seduction of a money that clouds all of your judgments, even your ability to be generous. Maybe it's the seduction of a bad temper that's the noise in your life. Maybe the, the, the seduction of an addiction that just completely per, takes over your life and it seduces the same. What is it? It's the seductive noise in our life that clouds our, our, both our spiritual energy and our common sense. The noise isn't loud enough for David to recognize yet, but it gets louder. He sends a messenger over to see who she is, and the servant comes back and reports to David. Now, see, normally, when describing someone in Israel, they would give the genealogy of a person, the name of the person, their father's name, and their, their grandfather's name. Sure, that's Bruce, Bruce Newman, sure. And Len Newman's son. That's Jenny Newman's grandson, right? You, you've heard it, even in our context. But, she, but this servant doesn't do that. He actually says, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. He just goes right to the punchline. The servant tries to speak into David's noise. She's off limits. She's married. But it doesn't stop him. He sends messengers. And in one sweep, he lays with her, and she leaves. And the noise gets a little louder to drown out the real issues. And it's remarkable how quickly David goes from success to failure. It's so remarkable that it's uncomfortable for us because at one point or another, that's our story, isn't it? It's the blind seduction of poor choices. It's our distractions. It's our noise. And it comes out of nowhere. And the noise gets louder. And soon enough, Bathsheba sends a note to David. I am pregnant. <laughs> and David goes into panic mode. And David has two choices. He either confesses, right, to God and people or deceive. Instead of, of silencing the noise and confessing, he turns up the noise. And if you're not following, Bathsheba's husband is David's right-hand man, Uriah. Guess where he is? He is out fighting a battle that David should be out leading. But David sends for him. <laughs> and Uriah comes off the battlefield and David pretends to be concerned about his army. But his real deception is to get Uriah to go home and sleep with Bathsheba so he will think that the baby is his. And David sends Uriah off to be with his wife. And look what Uriah does instead. It says, Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all of the servants of the Lord, of this Lord, and did not go down to his house. I mean, the irony is, you can almost taste it in this moment. He is a faithful soldier, and his heart is with those on the battlefield, and the king's heart is full of deception. And so David asked him, I mean, what, why, why don't you go home, man? Go home with your wife, man. What an opportunity. And it said, Uriah says to him, the ark of Israel and Judah are staying in tents. 
And my commander, Joab, and my Lord's men are camped in the open country, vulnerable, ready for battle. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. In other words, forget it. And here's an opportunity for David to stop, but he turns up the noise in his life to ignore the real emotions. David gets Uriah drunk hoping he would go home to his wife. But every time he would find him outside the palace door, finally, finally, the noise is at its loudest. And David sends a note to Joab, the messenger. Remember, he could have, he could have been honest or deceived. And he walks down the deception road, and the noise gets louder and louder. And watch this. He sends a message to Joab. And not only does he send a message, he gives it to Uriah. And it says, put Uriah at the front where the fighting is fiercest, then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. What a friend. He gives Uriah the death note for himself, and he's bringing that note to Joab. He's turning up the noise to mask what is really going on. And this is so true for you and I. The more we turn up the noise, the more, the more we are unable to hear God. You ever been there? Oh, I've been there. And David's common sense is out the window. He writes the message, seals it, and tells Uriah to give it to Joab on the battlefield. And Uriah is, is doomed because, God, because David refuses to recognize the noise in his own life. And when Joab did what David commanded, Joab sends a note back to him. Your servant, Uriah the Hittite, is dead <coughs> also. And not only did he die, but others died because of it. And that's what deception does. It, just, it doesn't just pinpoint the primary. It affects other people. And you would think there would be silence when David reads this note, right? But David, David's seductive noise has engulfed his compassion, right? It, and and he, look how he responds. This is the King David, the shepherd, the one that heard from God, had so many successes. He could, he could hear God above the noise, and this is the best response he can get. Don't let this upset you. The sword, the sword devours one as well as the other. Well, thank you, David. So let me ask you a question today. Why, why, why did David kill Uriah? It's possible that Bathsheba would have never said anything about their night alone, a smaller deception, and Uriah would have raised what he thought was his child. It's another deception, but it's less impactful as this one. But see, when you act in panic, you don't think logically. You react, you overlook, you cover up, you deny, you scheme until you find yourself drowning in the noise. And at the end of this episode, there are 11 simple, painful Real words, and it says this, David did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And what comes next is a broken man. So much seductive noise that it takes an outside source to help. And God sends Nathan, a prophet of God, who was honest. Can you imagine the strength this prophet had? He was coming up against the king, right? All these successes, owned all these lands, had the greatest army in the land. He was powerful. And Nathan 
could hear above all of that noise and speak into David's noise. It's very unique. And David has two decades of success. And in one clean sweep, he faces an entire army of guarded, an entire year, sorry, of guarded secrecy. It says, then, everybody say then. God's timing. In the middle of the noise, always perfect. It says, then the Lord sent Nathan to David and he came to him. Now, Nathan doesn't, doesn't fix the problem. He helps David to turn down the noise enough to have some clarity. And it says in 2 Samuel 12, Nathan comes to David and he says, David, there were these two men in a city. One man was rich and the other poor. The rich man had many flocks and the other man had one precious little lamb, David. The, the, the lamb was a family pet. It grew up with the children. Right? If you said that 25 years ago, that your dog or your dog grew up with you, you'd be like, don't be so foolish. Dog belongs outside by. Right? But I have a dog now, and I have kids, and they would get rid of me first before they got rid of the dog. This is true. They've actually deceived me into getting a second dog. Pray for them, not me, okay? But says the lamb was a family pet. It grew up with the, ch the children. It ate with them, and it was like a daughter to them. And David is on the edge of his seat listening. A traveler comes, David, to the, to the rich man, and this rich man is going to feed and rather take, feed this traveler, and rather take the, the hundreds of sheep he had. He took the only lamb from this poor man and killed it and fed the traveler David. And as a result of these words by Nathan, David was vulnerable. He, he was moved with compassion over the situation. And David is sentencing himself. He's burning with anger and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. They're done, donezo, right? He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and I have no pity. And, 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 and Nathan looks at him and says, you are that man. And the noise is silenced. Deathly silence. He's already deceived. He had a choice to be honest and deceive. And he carried the deception way too far. And the noise is silence. You see, David refused to turn down the noise because he didn't want to face the negative emotions that came with his seductive noise. You see, we refuse to turn down the noise because of the negative emotions that we've been drowning out. We, we turn up the noise so we don't have to deal with it. But God reminds David why he was seduced into this. He says, listen, I anointed you. I, God saying, through Nathan, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and Judah. And if all of this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Wow. 
Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down your word. And see, this is the thing. God is so compassionate, but his compassion comes through truth. He reminds David, all right? He says, you struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. Silence. Wow. What do you say when you feel like your entire sins are displayed on Facebook? That's how we had to feel, right? You were hoping it was maybe Snapchat where it just shows up for a minute or so and it disappears, right? But no, no, no. It's on Facebook for the entire world to see. That's how it felt to David. What do you even say? Well, this is what you say. I have sinned against the Lord. What's... What's so much noise in your life? You can go back to the next verse, the back verse, please. One before that. What's all the noise going on in your life? And see, what noise does, it deceives us. It makes us think that we can do this thing on our own. But David knew the jig was up. He said, I I can't do this anymore. I have sinned against the Lord. And see, it, it, it is not the distraction that is the issue. It's what the distraction is keeping us from. David is stopping the noise by confessing, and he does two things as he begins to pray. He does this. He is open and unguarded. I'm done with it, man. And he makes a complete break from the noise. And David records a psalm, a psalm of his confession. It's not, a, it's not a confession. It's really how we silence the noise around us to hear God. He says, have mercy on me. Next slide. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Bother out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my, my sin. And then it says, create in me a clean heart a pure heart, and renew a steadfast, a right spirit within me. Do not cast me not away from your presence or take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy, the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You see, it's the antidote to the noise going on in our life. It may not be as seductive and deceiving as David's story, but it's no less true for us. What's the noise going on in your life? It's how we turn down the noise and create moments of silence to hear from God. I call it the prayer of silence. It's it's what David did to turn down the noise so God could speak to the real things going on. What noise is clouding your life right now? The first is this, the habit of honesty. This is where David says, create in me a clean heart. David's first posture is to be honest with God. He recognized that it was him that allowed the noise to get so loud and disconnected from hearing God. In another psalm, he describes how he felt. It says, when I kept silent, next slide, my bones wasted away. Then I acknowledged my sin, the noise to you, and did not cover it up. I said, I will confess to the Lord, and you forgave, I love this, the guilt of my sin. That's that feeling, that emotions, that guilt, that feeling, the emotions that we drive down and turn up the other noise in our life. That's guilt. The guilt of my sin. I have to be honest here. 
Seeing David's honest response helps me. It does. His frailties gives me a safe place to admit and process my own noise. His sin helps shed light on my own, and his redemption helps me to, me, me, to give me hope for my own as well. And creating a habit of honesty before God has to happen because we turn up the noise to mask some, some of the real issues and the only antidote to breaking this noise and hearing God for whatever's going on in your life is open and honest confession to God. So here's the prayer of silence. I want you to say it with me, okay? All together. Is there anything, let's say it again, is there anything disconnecting me from hearing your voice? If so, I confess it. The second step of the prayer of silencing the noise as the band returns is the practice of renewing. It's, it's when David says, renew a right spirit. Everything about David's life was wrong. From the moment that he disobeyed by staying home and giving into the seductive nature of distractions to his deception and murder of Uriah, the noise had damaged his spirit. Have you ever felt that that way? The noise is so loud, so overwhelming in your life that, that you feel broken? That's how David felt. Not only did he confess it, but he recognized that he needed a complete overhaul. He admits in the same prayer, he says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a what? Contrite heart you will not despise. Now, if you've raised children or when you were a child, you can really tell when a child is really sorry about something. Most times they're not sorry when they say to their sister or brother, I'm sorry for hitting you, right? Especially when the parent says, now tell your brother, Tell your sister you're sorry. I'm sorry. That's not contrite. The key word to a broken spirit is contrite, which means feeling regretful. We know David's spirit was broken. His life was broken. But the key to God not despising him was admitting in an act of surrender of his brokenness. The practice of renewing your spirit is about surrendering Someone needs to hear this. It's about surrendering all of your brokenness to God. It's yours, God. I'm honest before you. Check my heart. All the brokenness is yours. Here's a prayer of silence. Say it with me. Lord, is my heart contrite? I surrender all the noise and the brokenness to you. The third one is the reminder of relationship. He says, cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. See, David is describing to us how he felt when the noise overwhelmed his life. He brought in, he bought into two lies that the noise will, 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 we, we will buy into ourselves. It's this, I have to fix this on my own and I can never be forgiven. I have to do this myself. I've deceived, I have to fix it, I have to do it myself, no one can help me, there's no help to be found, and I can never be forgiven. And he knew what it felt like to try and do things 
on your own. And when Nathan caused him to recognize his sin, God has a message for David. It's, it's, a, it's the reason why David adds this to his prayer to silence the noise. He says this, I anointed you king over Israel. I did it. And I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you. I gave you all of Israel. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you more. And see, the point is, you see, the constant noise will tell us that we can do things on our own. The allure of distraction is to disconnect us from the very source who sustains us. And David says, I know what it's like to be disconnected. (laughs) Cast me not away from your presence, O God. The prayer of silence is this. Let's say it together. I cannot do this on my own. You are the source of my strength and the provider of my life. And the last one is this, the reclaiming of joy. Return to me the joy of my salvation. There's nothing worse than acting the part with no joy. Some of you work at a job and there's no joy in it, right? You go to work every single day, God forbid, and you try to drum up some joy. And it's nothing worse. It's a nightmare. The moment your eyes come awake, right? You're, you're like, oh, do I have to do this again today? This is true of life, isn't it? David's life is teaching us how you lose the joy of your salvation. When our hearts are not clean, when our spirits are broken because of the distractions, and when we have been trying to do it on our own. And when you try to do it on your own, this strips us of the joy of freedom in Christ. For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? I am preaching better than you're saying amen. Amen? Wow. You see, the reclaiming of joy is honesty before God, creating in my heart a clean heart, God. It's surrender, surrendering our brokenness to God, a broken and contrite heart he will not despise. It's staying connected to God. Cast me not away. And the prayer of silence is this. Let's say it together. God, I reclaim the joy of knowing you through honesty and surrendering my life to you. What is God saying to you? In your noise. Again, it's, it's, it may not be as seductive as, as David's deception, but none, no less it's distracting and it's caused your disconnection between hearing God and in the moment. What's the distraction? What is God saying to you through the prayer, this prayer of silence? David's ability to silence the noise really boils down to the prayer, the habit of honesty, creating me a clean heart, the practice of renewing, renew a right spirit, the, the reminder of relationship, right? It is God reminded David, it is I gave you this, it is I that did this for you, it is me. And if that wasn't enough, I would have given you more. It's a reminder to us that when the noise gets so loud, it disconnects us from the very source that sustains us. That's God. And the reclaiming of joy. Return to me the joy of my salvation. Would you stand with me if you're able all over this room? And I've conduced all of these prayers down into one paragraph. And it says at the end of the paragraph that we're going to say it together corporately. It says, now I listen for your voice, speak through the noise, 
and attend to my needs. What is going on in your life? David reminds us, this is how we silence the noise in our life to hear God speak to us. Let's repeat it together if you're able. Ready? Is there anything disconnecting me from hearing your voice? If so, I confess it. Is my heart contrite? I surrender all the noise and the brokenness to you. I cannot do this on my own. You are the source of my strength and the provider of my life. I reclaim the joy of knowing you through honesty and surrendering my life to you. Now I listen for your voice, speak through the noise, and attend to my needs. Just take a moment. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in learning more about our church community, please visit our website, Bethesda.ca, and consider joining us for a gathering soon.